from Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. A lot to be uh, thankful for as we uh, move on into the Lenten season. And we are thankful to welcome in Pat Holbus from St. John the Evangelist uh, in Carmichael. Uh, Pat, good to hear your voice again. Well, it's my pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. Yes, uh, the uh, St. John the Evangelist School, their 40, 45th annual uh, holiday show of the hands craft fair, I remember uh, certainly talking to you a number of times in the past, but I don't think it's been 45 times. <laughs> well, it's been a, a good many times, and uh, we are happy to be able to carry on this event for so long, and we work hard at, at making sure it's a, a success. Well, if, if you're on to the 45th year, uh, it's probably successful. There, there are a lot of you know. It's, it's interesting. I've, I've been involved on the periphery of you know a few fundraisers in my life, and and sometimes uh, it's a great idea, and it just doesn't work for whatever reason. Maybe you picked the wrong date or something, or and other times, uh, surprise, surprise, it's an overwhelming success. You know, and. But the ones that have a 45 in front of their name, the, they've, been do, they've been doing something right for a long time. Well, you know, the best thing we ever did when we didn't know anything about fundraising was to choose the first weekend in December. The Sisters uh, of Mercy uh, from Trolley were at our school at that time. Wow. And they didn't want to rush the Christmas season, so... What we did is we chose the first weekend in December because, as you mentioned, it coincides uh, with the first Sunday of Advent. Right, right. And and uh, <laughs> the more there, uh, I can look at uh, I can look at the things things coming up. You know, just just I know through through the the Bishop's Hour. You know, there's there's going to be a wonderful concert at uh, Sacred Heart, their their annual from Heaven on High. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the, the Christmas caroling and stuff at the Memorial Auditorium, uh, on and on and on. And then all the Advent uh, events. And, boy, the calendars, Bill, I, I even have an uh, invitation. Somebody says, oh, you got to come to the Nutcracker. You know, and it's just like one thing after another. And it's finding a time that works. is that That's real hard at this time of year. It sure is. And, you know, we have a real treasure at St. John the Evangelist Parish, and that's our Catholic school. Yes. Um, our parents work really hard at any fundraising project we have to make it a success because the funds go directly to the school. And, you know, that's what this fundraising is all about, uh, to help the children who go there. Yeah, tell us just a little bit about the school, K through 8. It is, we have actually have uh, preschool, mm -hmm. TK, and K through 8. So, yeah, it's, it's a full, full bore curriculum for uh, all those grades. Yeah, I know so many, so many parishes uh, in the diocese, uh, their school is their pride and joy. Yep, it sure is. <laughs> yeah, and uh, sending them on to getting, getting them out there in the world. And, you know, it's especially, you know, sometimes we'll have, kids in here that maybe won the speech contest or the academic decathlon or something and they're seventh and eighth graders and it's just so exciting to hear to hear their stories and uh, our, our great catholic uh, schools department here in the diocese uh, well, you know just my does children a wonderful are job. a real testimony to uh catholic education all seven of them went to saint john's school wow. and my 14 grandchildren uh have gone through it and i Still have six of them there, so uh, still carrying on to work on this project. <laughs> you may, are the, they need to at least name a wing of the school for you. <laughs> <laughs> You've kept them in business. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's a worthy.
worthy cause, let me tell you. Well, you're, I, you're, I, uh, you're blessed to have well, all the children and grandchildren around you. That's wonderful. Yes, it is. It's a real blessing. Yeah, indeed, indeed it is. Well, tell us, uh, I'm sure you can't take us back to the first one, but maybe you can uh, talk about how, how the first one came about, whose idea was it, and uh, et cetera. Well, the sisters needed to earn some money to kind of expand the budget a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at it now, nothing much has changed. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. The parents got together with them and decided to try something new, and we, tr- we thought about Christmas time. <clears throat> Sisters did not want to rush the holiday season, so we waited till after Thanksgiving and then started very small with just maybe a dozen crafters and vendors in the old gymnasium, and each year from there it expanded as we built a new hall and built a new church and you know we've been very fortunate to continue this legacy of St. John's Holiday Show of Hands. Has it always been called a Holiday Show of Hands? Yes it has. Wow. You know there's 150 vendors now and there's a lot of hands working (laughs) on this Uh, and it's not only just the vendors and artists who come it's the staff and the parish and the school parents who volunteer so it's truly uh, a show of hands so how do you select the vendors do they contact you do you contact them and does just anybody show up or how does that work Uh, no it kind of has evolved into um it's called a juried show which means that a committee looks at the work and decides what we can do to round out to have a nice variety. So each year, the first Wednesday in March, that's never changed either, uh, we open the uh, school office or the school parish to vendors who want to come in and show us their work. And from there, we choose and pick what we think we can uh, round out to have a good variety. Of course, we're always looking for good quality and something new and different. So, if you have say say you have 150 this year and around that last year, how many of them will be repeat and how many of them will be new? Uh, oh, we have a lot of new vendors this year. Uh, what we do is we invite back for this year the. Vendors who were in the top 75% sales-wise mm-hmm. and the ones who didn't do so well, um, they, they take a year off and can come back the following year. Um, but that's how we keep the show fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many of our customers return every year, and they want to see something new. So sure. This is the only way we can, we can guarantee that our uh, shopping customers and have a good variety. Yeah, it's, it's, they want to see something new, and they probably they might have had a favorite vendor too. And then if it was a popular one, it'll that vendor will be back. You got it. That's exactly what happened. Got this down to a science. <laughs> so, talk so about talk year about. We have s- a really, really great variety of things. Um, our vendors really put all out. They know that. We're going to have a good amount of people come, and we are very proud of the fact that we have such good quality. The majority of the work is handcrafted, so customers know they're getting really a a product that that has a lot of heart and soul in Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. We have everything from holiday decor to handcrafted and antique jewelry. Um, We have little... Our classrooms are all divided into different areas. We have things like the man cave, which is gifts for guys, the beauty boutique, of course, which the women love. And I would guess one of the most popular things we have is our gourmet pavilion. Mm. And uh, if you like tamales or baklava or baked items or candy, um, there's a great variety of chews for Christmas gifts. That's, That's the first place I would go. And a lot of people do. They get in line to get tamales. And I'm sure I would be buying it as a gift, and it would probably be gone before I got home. Well, 
Well, you know, a lot of people take the tamales and put them in the freezer and right. save them for uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas right. Day. So Yeah, it's a, re- it's a real tradition uh, uh, all over California. That's for sure. And then, of course, I have to mention uh, one of our most popular items at the craft fair is Sister Margaret's famous Irish coffee. Mm. When Sister Margaret was here, she took a group of people and taught them exactly how to do the Irish coffee and how to float the cream. So uh, it's a real treat for the holidays. Oh, my uh, my older my oldest sister. I have many sisters, but my oldest sister is an Irish coffee aficionado, <laughs> and she's. I I think I'll bring her. I think I'll bring her. Oh, good, good. She'll enjoy it. Yeah, that's great. So, talk about some of the new vendors this year. Oh, let's see. Well, Boulevard Coffee, uh, which is a Carmichael-based business, is going to open up an espresso bar for us. Mm-hmm. That's kind of exciting because you know how people love their coffees in the morning yep. or any time of the day. Yeah, coffee's uh, become we, an all-day thing now. Boy, it sure has. We, we have a drive through coffee place in my hometown, and it's now 24 hours. And, <laughs> and I understand from talking to the principal that we have uh, a new vendor coming who is going to be featuring their wonderful new wine, and they are a local winery. Mm. So we're kind of excited to, for that. That's something new. And then, of course, we have people uh, who are bringing in their holiday decor, uh, children's clothing, uh, another real popular thing this year, and I have a a vendor uh, doing special treats for dogs. (laughs) And you'd be surprised how many people come looking for something for their dog or a cat for Christmas. (laughs) I see, see, uh, like, fresh dog food now in the supermarkets, you know, in the refrigerator, just like you're buying chicken or something. You know, it's... That's right. Yeah. Actually, my husband buys it. (laughs) Oh, does he? (laughs) Yes. Anyhow, when people come and shop at this event, you know, 100% of the profit that's made at this goes directly into the school budget. So, you know, that's a real plus, and, and it's really like, we're a, when you think about it, we're, we're a small business. They have small business Saturday now and small business um, sure. being featured so many places. This is a small business for our school because that profit goes directly to its budget. So in, in the, the way it's set up, you get a percentage of sales or something like that? Is, is right. We charge a registration fee, and we take that money up front, mm-hmm. uh, and that guarantees the vendor that we will hold the spot for them, mm-hmm. and we do all the advertising for it. And then uh, we also take a percentage at the end, and that's that's how we make our our profit for the school. And what what kind of I mean, it's it maybe it's you don't count people, but what kind of uh, turnout do you get? Well, you know we we only have one accurate counting. <laughs> um, we all when we open up on Friday night, that's considered our early bird. Right, it's a early bird presale, and we do charge admission on Friday night. So that's the only accurate count we have. And for the past three or four years, that has gone um, to two thousand people plus. Two thousand for night. the early bird. For the early bird. Yeah. Oh my! Oh my goodness! <laughs> we charge one fee from four to five, and then another fee from five to six. So, so uh, uh, excuse me, from five to nine, we're open till nine o'clock on Friday night. And so these are so people Saturday get first Sunday, dibs on it. Saturday and Sunday are free, mm-hmm. um, so we don't really have a count, but we estimate there is also a good two thousand people on Saturday and. Maybe around a thousand on Sunday, so Where you know, it? five thousand dollars is a very uh, good am- amount of people to say that that actually do come to it. And the the four to five p.m. early bird is ten dollars, and the five to nine is five dollars. 
and then Saturday and Sunday is free admission. So, and we also have free parking. <laughs> and if uh, people go to a lot of events around the Sacramento area, you don't find that very often. No, I, 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 I remember going to an event, uh, and it was, it was $40 to park. You know, I know, isn't like, that outrageous? <laughs> and I'm going, if you just broke even on everything else, you'd make a million dollars on the parking. <laughs> How do you park enough cars for 2,000 people? Well, uh, <laughs> we use a variety of avenues for that. Um, we have a, a parking lot in front and back. We borrow the uh, Cameron Ranch's parking lot across the street. Uh, many of the vendors park on the street, uh, and then we also shuttle people back and forth from St. John's to the Elks Club, which is just a few blocks away. Mm -hmm. So that's how we do it. Boy, that's great. That's great. 2,000, that's a phenomenal number. Yes, it is. is We're very fortunate and very appreciative that we have such a great following and if someone hasn't you know people who follow craft fairs usually follow many of them yeah right and, right you know, this is a great place to christmas shop should you do you also have like a snack bar or something for people that just want to buy something for themselves to eat again we have several different ways um two of our kitchens operate and we have a lasagna dinner uh, they sell chili and hot dogs and donuts and coffee and you name it. And then besides the two kitchens that operate, we also have an area that we call a food court. And we have uh, the kettle corn man coming, and we have uh, several food trucks coming. So there's lots of options, lots of goodies to eat. Well, what would you say... Uh would be the most unique vendor you have? Maybe one that you wouldn't see at a most craft fairs? Oh, boy, you're putting me on the spot. Um, I think our silent auction, mm -hmm. in conjunction with the craft fair, is a real popular uh, asset to our craft fair. Our parents donate money or gifts. Uh, we have a committee that goes out and buys unique things. The vendors all donate to it. So um, our auction's pretty awesome. And that takes place during the craft fair uh, on both Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it winds up on Sunday afternoon. And whoever the top bidder is at 2 o'clock takes home some great gifts. Wow. So is that guy in the red suit going to be there? Definitely. Yes, yes, yes. He comes on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 2. Hmm. And he brings his wife with him, too. Really? I Mrs. think you Foss need... will be here as well. You probably need to beat Santa to the snack bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Andy, uh, St. John the Evangelist is at 5701 Locust Avenue in Carmichael. audience will join us so we can carry on this wonderful holiday tradition. And again, it's all we, hands on deck. <laughs> yes, we should repeat, uh, December 1st, this Friday, 4 to 5 p.m. is the first early bird. That's $10. And then from 9 to 10 p.m. on uh, Friday is, is the, the second part of the early bird, and that's a $5 admission. December 2nd, Saturday, 9 to 5, and that's free admission. And Sunday is 9 to 3, and that's also free admission. You've got the details right. <laughs> Very good. Well, I, I saw your wonderful flyer. It's, a, it's beautiful. Well, thank you. Well, Pat, always, always a joy to talk with you. The holidays, uh, Christmas wouldn't be the same if uh, we didn't have you on the air. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure and my joy uh, to work on this event for the school, and uh, we'd like to invite all of you to come. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pat. God bless. That's uh, Pat Holbus uh, from St. John the Evangelist, and the uh, fundraiser is for the, the Holiday Show of Hands Craft Fair. 150-plus vendors, it's all to benefit St. John the Evangelist School. We'll take a quick break. 
Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. With Bob Dunning. Welcome back, everyone. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Uh, we are pleased now to welcome in by phone Laura Lynn Solano to talk about the Great Lay Mission Project taking place throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Laura Lynn, good day to you. Good day to you, Bob. How are you doing? I appreciate uh, you taking the time to be with us. Sorry it's not in person, but uh, um, always good to hear your voice. Yeah, you as well, Bob. Thanks. <laughs> tell us, uh, Laura Lynn, tell us, uh, we've been having a number of guests on who have gone through the Lay Mission Project. Tell us uh, the sort of the genesis of this and how it all came about and uh, what it involves. Oh, sure, sure. Well, um, it started off with um, back in maybe 2013, early to, yeah, around that time, Bishop Soto was looking for um, effective formation for the laity. And um, he consulted Father Michael Sweeney, who's also the, the former president of the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology in the Bay Area. Right. And um, consulted him about that um, and um, he ended up developing a program called the Lay Missions Project. And what it ended up being was, um, you know, we, we the clergy are sent to school uh, for formation for eight years. But the laity, you know, most of us maybe get to eighth grade for confirmation. And right, beyond right. that, it's yeah. kind of, you know, we're on our own. And um, this is really meant to be, you know, in, in my, 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 my vision, I would see like this is really what we should be receiving to be formed and equipped to go into the world with that with our confirmation but since some, this is later but you know it's we still have the mandate to go out and um, baptize and teach so this teaching part is really um, what the lay mission is doing how to use the gifts that God has given us to bring all of this into the world into his into his creation and is it is it online is it in person how do people participate well, the, the first cohort started back in 2016, mm -hmm. and um, I, I happened to be, before I was even working with the diocese, I was a, um, asked to be a facilitator, and at that time, everything was done um, primarily online, I'm sorry, not online, in person, uh -huh. except for the, um, the videos and the readings. So the videos and the readings were released on a schedule, and we would do those through the website on our own. Mm -hmm. And then we would gather with our small groups. So we would be divided into small groups of about seven to ten, 
And um, we would, at, you know, de designated times during each course, we would meet with our small group to discuss we had, what we had just um, read. So the first course of the lay mission project is the lay vocation. So we, we look into the, the documents of Vatican II on the role of the laity, um, you know, scripture and, um, you know, teachings from the popes and, and the saints and, and everything, pretty much the wealth of things that are out there focus on what it is that we're called to do as lay people in, in the church and in the world. So it's more, it was not, um, I'm sorry, in the second cohort, we hit um, a big stumbling block that a lot of people were affected by <laughs> with COVID. So that was mostly done online. So the small groups had to meet via Zoom, which was kind of difficult. We ended up losing a lot of people um, from the cohort um, because of that difficulty in connecting. Yeah, but, it's, um, it's a lot of funny we, how... Know, how that works, uh, I've had to do Zoom a number of times, and uh, usually it's good to have a teenager nearby to help you <laughs> with the technology. <laughs> yes. And um, yes. I found that sometimes it just works flawlessly, and I, I go, man, this is the greatest thing going. And then other times <laughs> it it's, can't connect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess in the initial um, you know, stages of, of COVID or when you're working from home, it was nice to be able to 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 reach people that sure was person, so people that were far away. But then over time, we really missed that you know what we were made for as far as connection, you know the in person connection where it's not just our talking and our vision, but you know our gestures and things, which is actually something that we do talk about in musician. So it's, yeah, I mean it's interesting yeah, really in a in a diocese this vast, um, it's a, it's a real wonderful tool in many in many ways. Uh, to mm -hmm. be able to hook up with somebody in Wairika and they don't have to figure out a way to Sacramento or vice versa, you know. But on the other hand, boy, you're right. There's, there's, uh, you know, when, whenever two or more of you gather in my name, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's more to that than just gathering in his name. It, it's, there's, there's something about community that is, yeah. is just powerful and sometimes things go a direction you might not have expected but it's a very good direction you know yes yes definitely i, I mean and i think it's almost a, a testimony to even our sacraments like we can't do the sacraments online you know right over right we can't consult, right it's something about that human connection that's still so vital to a, to our human flourishing i would think now, is, isn't it interesting that no matter the technology in the history of our church that's just the way it is. Our sacraments are, they're, they're going to be in person. They're very personal. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think, I think God, God had a vision for that. <laughs> yep. Yep. So yeah, maybe, maybe we'll get, maybe, maybe we'll hook up with God on a zoom sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried. Uh... I'm having trouble connecting. <laughs> Turn your camera on. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, that was that was one thing I did. It was one time I, I, I think my son was thirteen at the time, and he goes, he comes out. You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of gesturing to him. You know, I'm like, come, 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 come. And he goes, and he hits one little button. He says, your camera was off. You know, <laughs> I didn't even know I had a camera. Oh man, yeah, I, I was humble during that time too. I've always been into technology, but my kids definitely helped me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why that's why God gave us so many kids. <laughs> oh, it's, oh it's, yeah, you got true. a blessing there. So, <laughs> you got a big troop. <laughs> what what difficulties were there in in getting this going? Well, it, there's a real shift in perspective here. Um, where uh, I think that might have been one of the, the things that was difficult. The first the first cohort of um, of people that went through the project were actually people who had worked in parish life. So we had a lot of DREs, we had a few deacons, we had um, you know um, parish leadership uh, who were used to kind of how um, you know we, we we bring our Bibles and our and our catechism and we, we sit and learn. But this was a real calling to, you know, an understanding of what was intended for the laity. So it was a shift in thinking that, wow, we're really, we really have a role and a responsibility as lay people. It's not just that we're default um, non-clergy, you know. Right. So right. That, that 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 was a big shift for some people to understand. 
Well, um, it's, and, I, um, I know it's a big shift from what I grew up with. It was sort of like, oh yeah. Well, Father Dignan will take care of everything. You know. Oh yeah. And that yeah, was that. You know, it was sort of like, oh, we, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is is fabulous. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it was it was very different than you know what we, a lot of people have experienced. But the deeper we go into it, and it it was really oh my gosh, eye opening for many people to see. Wow, I'm called to really participate. Mm-hmm. And um and then you also see the the role and the importance of of the ordained in the sense like the 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 root of that is you know they're ordered to help the laity continue this mission in the world. You know to go to places that you know, the, that bishop and the many of the priests can't go to because they're not in our homes, they're not in the businesses, they're not in the schools necessarily where all the lay people are. And we're meant to bring Jesus to these areas that, you know, the ordained can't always access. And, um, you know, some people think, well, that's, yeah, like you said, that's, that's Father so-and-so's job. But it's like, well, what gifts have we been given by our baptism and our confirmation to go and really bring Jesus Christ in, into the into the masses, you know, and um, not not the masses formal, <laughs> but the masses. <laughs> <laughs> the masses of people. Yeah. Masses of people. <laughs> yes. So it 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 was yes it's it's it, and then we the at the end of the mass so when we attend like the importance of the mass is that that Ita Misa es go you know your 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 mission is given or go share the gospel of the Lord you know to right. the world. So we gather each Sunday and that go there's a real command there that we're, we're meant to do something from the next time you come back and gather to you know to commune commune with each other i mean the, the mass is a great example of kind of the the outline of what lay mission does is there's time to gather together to, to fellowship together to open the book together to you know break bread together and then at the end um we go out and then we share all of this into the world but it's not a one-time thing we come back we do the same thing. We worship together. We praise God together. We do all these things together. And then again, you know, God in his goodness, like, set this up really great. Like, it's a week. We've got about a week, in there, but we can go every day. And then we're sent out again. So we should be bringing this good news really into the world. You know, um, I, you know, a blessing is that, you know, you and I get to work within the church structure, but many work like for the state or private mm-hmm. industries, and they don't have the access that many do that work within the church. And um, in these places, Christ really needs a way in, and that would be by those who are formed to really bring the mission, you know. So that was that's the whole intention. And, like, you know, in, in the last, um, I think the last issue of the Herald, there's a few stories in there of how— Oh, some wonderful and, and, stories, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, uh, we didn't mean to, but there were just two, like, there were three really great—there were so many great capstones. So at the end of the three-year process, um, well, throughout the process, they're asked to continue to work on sort of a capstone, like bring everything together that they've learned and how they're going to put it into practice. And at the end, um, you know, I have, there, there are so many. I didn't get to really read all of them. The first cohort, I did read all of them. The second one, I had a team helping me um, read through them and just amazed with what the people have been doing with their formation and how it's changed their lives, you know, and and how the, it's really made a difference in what it is that they do. You know, do, we have two doctors there. Uh, and one engineer that that are highlighted in the last issue of the Herald, and you know they talk about how this formation has really helped change the way that they approach things and the things that they're doing in the world. And it's like, gosh, if you could get everybody to do this, that would be awesome. I think well, I know we interviewed one of the doctors, and uh, just just a fabulous story, and how 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 transformational it is. I mean, for their lives, but also the fact that it will help them spread the good news. Oh yeah, definitely. And and even in their own families, you know, um, just this, the difficulties we have sometimes with raising children in the faith, it's not very easy in, in this world. And how, you know, for, for me, as I went through it, I realized, my goodness, my children have a calling, you know, sure. God is calling them. Like we have a real vocation and it's not necessarily a calling to the priesthood or the religious life or married life. Those things are definitely vocations, but as they respond to all of these things and those states of life, God is calling them into particular areas in his creation to, to do his work, you know, specifically for them. And if, you know, I think more youth or even, even adults, if they realize that when God is calling them to himself, 
as they respond to that call, he also invites them to participate in, in, in creation and, and to be a part of this good work, you know, that, that joy. He really calls us to be joyful in all of that. And, and if we, when we respond and we experience that, it's a whole, like, wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh. He has this in store for me. He wants me to do this. He wants me to talk to who? You know, and, and like, I, you know, knowing that joy, like, you can't help but share it. You know, and, and I think that's something that, you know, as Catholics, we don't always, we're not always known for. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And uh, we're 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 told to do that. You know, it, it, the mass is uh, the end of mass is almost like uh, that word commencement. You're supposed to now go out. It's the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, it's it's go out and spread the good, good the good news. Yes, yes, yes. And and the and word of God, to, you know, have it's, to believe that it's good. You know. <laughs> what sort of feedback do you get from the people who participate in the lay mission project? Oh, it's been very touching. You know, the first cohort, I um, because it, the the first cohort, we had never done anything like this before, and so I, I transitioned from actually being a part of it to helping coordinate it at the diocesan level and working with Father Michael Sweeney and Sean Bryan, who are administrating the project. Um, and oh gosh, it was um, when I went out and I talked to people, and they just were sharing. You know, in three years, a lot can happen. So people lost people. There are people who lost people. There was sickness, cancer. There were um, there were also joys, and a lot of them shared. You know, those who are going through very difficult times shared how this formation made such a difference. Learning just, you know, where they're called. They're learning their charisms and how they can help minister to others. How they can help minister to their families. Um, that, that's part of it. The, the calling gifted is part of it. They learned not only the, the dignity that they had that God called them to, but also the, the unique gifts that God had given them to do this work. So a lot of them, it was a rediscovery of themselves, of God, and, and their place in the world. So the feedback was really mostly that eye-opening. And, and um, a lot of people chose their capstone as a reflection on their life and what they would like to do. So their, their journey over the three years. So a lot of the feedback I got from them were just, just the their approaches, you know, the, even even those that were deacons, their approaches to serving the people had, had changed. Um, those who were, you know, DREs and CREs, they, they their approach to to sharing the message in, in catechesis, not just you know Bible studies and Bible facts, but really like, no, God really wants you to participate in these things. So, you know, so some of the feedback I got, you know, that wasn't the best, that could have used improvement, were some people had difficult time reading the documents. Mm-hmm. Some people had a lot a hard time um, acclimating to the internet uh-huh. because this was prior to COVID, and um, uh, like we mentioned, our diocese is huge. So, yeah. how are we going to be able to share all of this? So, so some just had a you know they they found ways to get around it. They printed all of the web pages. I mean, thick binders. <laughs> my my, sure. my um, sure. co facilitator, you know, that was what he did, and um, so the, I guess that was most of the feedback. And another thing that I got was. You know, do the the pastors know what we're doing? Are the pastors aware of what we're doing? So that that was a question. Um, and we already know that our pastors have so much to do, and they're you know not only administrators to the parishes, but they're they're shepherding. They're you know they're they they have to be business managers. They have to they they they're they're tasked with so many things. Um, so when they those that sat down with their pastors and kind of shared with them, oh, this is what we had gone through. They, they, a lot of them created a collaboration of, wow, you know, you can really help in these areas. You're, you have charisms in these areas, so it helped build, um, you know, build teams in the parishes, too. So, it, I mean, we're, we're starting, we, we just started our third cohort, so there's still a lot more to be developed. <laughs> we, we just did, too. So, we're still finding a lot out a lot more. So, Lurlin, take, take, uh, take me through, like, uh, I'm I'm listening to the radio right now. I'm hearing about this. I don't know a lot about it, um, and I think maybe this is something I want to get involved in. What take take a hypothetical person and put them in that role and and tell them what's what's the next step for them, and and then what what can they expect in the next three years? 
Oh, well, I guess, you know, if you're questioning it, I think one of the best things to do is to take a look at the website, mm-hmm. um, Um And there, uh, there's there's a lot. It's, you know, what is lay mission? It shows what uh, the curriculum looks like over the next three years. Um, uh, it even goes into, you know, the methodology and frequently asked questions like, is this for me? You know, <laughs> um, so um, that would be the first place I would recommend that they start. Um, and then from that place, um, most of the questions can be answered. Like, you know, what is formation? What does it cost? How can I support? Um, you know, so, so things like that. And then there is a button on there that says apply now. And that, when, when they do that, the, um, because we now have a team of people who have gone through a mission, on the other end of that button, people receive those inquiries and um, they will call you or email you and respond. And um, hopefully set up a phone call to kind of talk over, you know, if, if you're discerning this, what's the best route to do this? And then uh, from that point, they'll they'll get you started. Since we already started for this year, we had the first retreat already, um, but we are um, we are still taking people in. Um, they may be able to redo one of the retreats. Um, we, we're also what's different this year is that we've also expanded into other dioceses. So the the project is also being offered in the Archdiocese of San Francisco as well as the Diocese of Oakland and a few parishes in um, in Texas as well. So um, there's a lot more people, and uh, we are trying to help them, you know, get through it too. So there might be other opportunities. If you miss something in this diocese, you might be able to attend another diocese. So I sign up, and then where where will what will my three years look like in terms of uh, well in terms of what I'm learning and 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 who I'm associating with, but also in terms of a, a you know a time commitment. Oh, uh, so. Um, every year, you'll, you'll receive a calendar of what the courses are. So mm-hmm. like I said, the first one is um, the lay vocation. And I believe after that, we'll get into scripture. So it's very similar to kind of um, an, um, you know, a, a school um, kind of calendar. So you go through mm-hmm. that. for, And then you meet maybe once or twice a month with your small group. And that meeting will usually be about two, maybe three hours to go over the, the curriculum. So for instance, with lay vocation, there are seven different lessons within the course of the lay vocation. So you might go through three lessons and then you'll be asked to meet in person. Some that can't, they do still meet via Zoom, but it, we do recommend that they meet in mm-hmm. person. And then um, you get through you know, the, that course, so maybe you would have met two or three times in that particular course, which can take maybe three months um, it depends on the on the course actually. So there's different ones. Um, when you get into the third year, they're a little more advanced. So we get into the sciences and economics and things like that. Um, but it's the same format. You're going to receive a login to the website. There you watch the videos and you can you access the readings and then you meet. So that that I'm sorry that portion the that can take you know depending on what time you want to put into it. So each video maybe is about 20 minutes. Um, and then the readings maybe about an hour, and you spread that out, you know, throughout the course. And then when you meet, that's when you start to delve into the question, and then you finish that course. And then there's a little break um, until the next course. So if you imagine maybe you're in a, you know, in a master's program or bachelor's program and a major, and there are certain classes you need to take to fulfill, um, that would be similar with the lay mission. So you've got, you know, the, you, you've got the lay vocation, you've got scripture one, you've got scripture two, you've got um, accompaniment. Um, and those will take, you know, a couple months or so. And you, that, that's pretty much what your three years looks like. So we're, we try to be mindful of holidays and things like that and try not to schedule during that time. And then your live um, uh, meetings with your group, you determine that with your group. So whatever works best for the group. Some groups, you know, my group used to meet Saturday mornings. I know of another group that in Rockland, they met Thursday evenings. And not not every day of the week, but according to what you know what would work with their schedule. So it's it's pretty it's flexible in that light. Um, and then having the access to everything online also makes it a lot more flexible, so you can access it at home. Um, and then once a year, they there are there's a retreat, usually two day retreat, once a year. And then there's um, maybe two workshops that are live in person. So we have one coming up in January called the local church 
that'll be at St. Isidore's in Yuba City. And in that particular workshop, Bishop Soto has come to uh, is asked to come out and share his vision for the local church, you know, him being the ordinary of the local church, and what his vision is for the laity and this program and what he would like to see in the church. And in this, um, during that time, they'll get to talk to the bishop and his, you know, and his thoughts, and then other people from the diocese will come out, like Deacon Kevin Stasko, um, will we'll come and share kind of what we do in the diocese and how we can collaborate and partner with, with, with them to help them, you know, if they've got gifts in these areas, to help them accomplish these things. So that, that's about what it looks like throughout three years. And at the end, we go over the capstone, and then you are going to be um, receive a missionary blessing and send. So the retreats, where, what happens at the retreats? So the, like the first retreat we had, um, the theme was the Beatitudes, and that one was at St. Joseph Murillo, not, not the parish, I'm sorry, the Murillo Youth Center. Uh-huh. We had, had about 140 people, people there, and it was uh, two days. So um, usually we'll have a speaker or two come out, um, and this, you know, it, it, a lot of times it's Father Michael Sweeney who will go into, um, really, so this one was, was Beatitudes and, and the call, so the, the, the call of God. So it's, it's very much a retreat. It's not meant to be too formation heavy, mm-hmm. and it's to bring them into um, fellowship with one another and, and into a deeper relationship with God. He introduces the, the Lexio and um, he introduces um, uh, journaling and things like that. And the, the kind of um, put, helping them to set, be put into a place as they journey into this year of uh, the formation, because the formation can, can, can feel like a lot but he tries to put it in the right perspective. So he gets everybody ready and then sends them out into, you know, into the formation for the year. So very much relaxed, nothing too intense as far as the, um, as the retreats. The workshops are a little different. They're more of a hands-on practical. Like we, one of the ones that we had done was an accompaniment workshop. So really discussed, we had a father, Jan Roach, who's a Salesian, come out and really talk about, you know, and knowing the Salesian and the charism. You know, and um, how to accompany one another. Um, another uh, workshop we had was the um, the charism. So we talk about the charisms, kind of like the called and gifted, and um, what your charisms are. And then um, that is something that we work through over the the next couple of years. On um, really, you know, if you have a, a charism of uh, let's say uh, healing, which some people like, what does that mean? Well, well, maybe it's meant to be um, not necessarily you're going to heal people. But how do you accompany people in their healing or, or encouragement? You have a gift that you tend to have a lot of people come up to you and want to talk to you, and they leave very encouraged. So what are these charisms, and why did the Holy Spirit give them to us, and how do we use them? So the workshops would be more practical as opposed to the retreats that are meant to bring us into, you know, away from the, the hustle and bustle of the world and more into the space. So w- with your cohort, is are they primarily people within your own parish or – how does that work? It can be. So the this time around, we really tried to keep, you know, we asked if groups wanted to participate from a parish that they let us know, you know. So if there was a group, you know, a women's group or a men's group, you know, we, we were also targeting people or um, ministries that were already meeting together so that this would just wouldn't necessarily be something too new as far as their relationships and meetings, but it would be provide content for that. So if there was already a, you know, some sort of group meeting, you know, mom's group. Um, um, but there are some people who just felt called individually, and we would try to place them into a small group that would be pretty uh, geographically, you know, centered for them. So if they're in the Rockland area, we'll try to put them with maybe a group from St. Peter and Paul <clears throat> or Folsom. So we did try to get people in a parish together, but if they weren't at least at least somewhat neighboring parishes. Sorry. And so when when they're done, uh, they uh, get a a PhD and uh... <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. I would I would I would offer it if I could. <laughs> yeah. So they you know <laughs> they they do they can use this formation to apply for um, definitely they they would be approved for a basic certific- certificate um, so basic catechist or minister certificate, but we're also I don't know if, you know, recently uh, there's been talk about um, kind of the <coughs> approach to catechesis 
I'm very much um, catechesis being more um, uh, evangelical uh-huh. in, in a sense. And so, <coughs> excuse me, coffee. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, you know, there's um, the Vatican recently talked about instituted catechists and the role of them. And um, we're looking at really how can we be more evangelists in the world? How can we really echo? And, you know, not in catechesis meaning echo, but echo Jesus in a manner that really is evangelical, that we can evangelize. So with this formation, it's already headed in that direction at which the Holy Father is kind of calling us to. I think, I believe the USCCB might have talked about it. (coughs) So when when they do go, we can definitely give them a basic certificate, um, possibly a master catechist certification. Um, that would be something that would we'd have to talk about um, one-on-one. They do get a certificate from the Lay Mission Project that does talk about, um, you know, their three years of formation. So this would definitely help them. If they're looking for something to do, you know, in the church, they, they'll be pretty well-equipped. They might need additional formation, but this is a very good foundational formation. Um, but as far as school credits, uh, that's not really being offered. What, what's really being offered is, is you know, the, the vineyard. <laughs> yeah, the no, yeah, yeah it, it doesn't. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to result in a, you know, a diploma or a ceremony right. or anything. You know, it's the, <laughs> it's the, it's the learning which they will then share. That that is that's that's the reward to the, the whole. Oh yeah. For the whole of society. Yeah. And a reward to, yes, to, and, and to our church. You know, how often do we see, I mean, unfortunately on the news that, you know, or, or someone who used to be Catholic, say, you know, or I went to 12 years of Catholic school and, you know, and, and but my thought is this, you know, and mm-hmm. they come out with their own opinions and, and things like that. This is really a, a formation to really see the beauty that our church is and why it is the way it is, you know, why, you know, why we decide that, that some things are very important and we can't just go along with what the rest of the world says um, that, you know, and, and, you know, hopefully these people will be the ones that are interviewed on the news. And say, this is why it's important. God calls us to this because, you know, this and that, and actually the church teaches this, you know, these assumptions. And so they'll have the formation really necessary to, you know, Dr. Bratz mentioned that he was um, evangelical or Protestant before he, he's one of the people in the, in the Herald. And how the deeper he went, he found out that, oh, he discovered the Catholic Church. And this <laughs> yeah. is that opportunity, right? Like for, for people to really know, you know, this is my faith, you know, before they decide to leave. Um, or maybe they'll interact with someone who had gone through the project or had some of this formation and say, wow, you know, I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that the Vatican or Vatican uh, Council was talking about that. I didn't know that we had a role or a place, place right. to you know, uh, you know, a, a role to do in the world, and I think this will help the church tremendously. Yeah, it's it's when interesting. Know what they're you know, Vatican II is over fifty years old now, and uh, well, what sixty years, almost sixty years old, started in '62. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's that's sixty-one, and it, uh, and 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 it talked about the laity. Yes. Yes. And and so many other documents too that that really and even prior to that like what are we, what 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 is a lay person and what are we supposed to be doing, <laughs> you know and 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 there's a lot more of us than there are ordained like oh we, sure we yeah what, right. what can we do in the world right <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's it's funny you know you hear people you know you make a reference to to Vatican II and you and you want to say and, and I mean I'm not saying it's it's negative but sometimes it is you know well I don't know about that or something you know it's like and yeah. or, and other people who who will trumpet it and I say well, you should go read the stuff it's 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 yeah. number one it's fascinating but it's beautiful it's beautifully written and it's it's what our faith's all about yes yes if 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 people just take a moment and and read you know yeah and 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 there's nothing you know I, I can see, like, especially if you haven't read and you hear a lot of the rhetoric that goes around, and it right. could be you could question, but but really reading, you know, what did Paul, Paul Paulus VI right. intend, you know, right. what did John Paul II in, in, intend, you know, what was the spirit that was going on, right. and it wasn't a spirit to just to change things because we want to, but right. it's like, 
responding to what's going on in the world. We've had so many things, you know, the internet, technology has advanced, things that, you know, prior councils never interacted with, right. you know, travel and things like that. So how do these things um, guide us, you know, and how can, how can the magisterium guide us in all of these new things still connected to, to Jesus and his mission in the world, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. I think John the twenty third actually kicked it off. I think. I think yeah. And yeah, then and yeah. then and then didn't didn't live to see it. Uh, yeah. To, didn't didn't see the conclusion, but a, but he. He had a, hopefully he had a better view. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had a, had a better view of the proceedings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, some 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 great stuff there. I I highly recommend yeah. it. Well, Laura Lynn. Uh, Thanks for all your great work on this, and thanks thanks so much for uh, joining us today. And uh, hope you and your family have a wonderful, wonderful, uh, and holy and merry Christmas. Thank you so much, Bob. It's always a great blessing to talk to you. I always enjoy it, and thank you so much for your ministry, Bob. Oh, thank you, thank you, Laura Lynn. We'll we'll talk to you again soon. God bless. Okay, That's uh, Laura Lynn Solano uh, and talking all about the Lay Mission Project. And uh, look it up because uh, there's just a lot of great stuff there. And it's a great way uh, to learn more about our great Catholic faith and also uh, to help spread our great Catholic faith. That's going to do it for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. Inside of me, I feel your spirit is moving around me. I hear your voice, you're calling me closer. I know that you're here. And now